Imagine rehearsing a scene for acting class, and all of a sudden you're outside and someone walks by and says, hey, I've got a film studio, come on in. And you go up the elevator, you go in, and you see this is really a nice production studio, run on 27th and Broadway. And the guy tells you, yeah, you guys are rehearsing a scene, of course, it's Dahl's house, so it's a classic scene, not film. And he says, well, doesn't matter what you're rehearsing, Bjork is here recording a video, and you peek in to the other room and see Bjork sitting there. Very random story, but that's the kind of randomness I can expect when I'm spending time with my friend Samantha Calicchio. She is a star looper, a chief looper, and that's why I brought her here on this magical spiritual law of attraction episode of Open Loops. I consider it an affront to my family that you haven't heard about Anchor. It's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain, okay? Let me let me just lay this out for you. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And, and get this, okay? Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money, moolah, from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. so lame that my audio again didn't come out well in this episode. Samantha sounds great. I sound terrible. Uh, but let, let's lift this up. Let's let's really make this. Let's soar through the roof here. Samantha Colicchio comes in clear, crystal clear. And that's the way you want to hear her. She is one of my best friends. Uh, she lives in Los Angeles. I miss her to pieces. And we went to college together. She was one of the first people in college I really connected with intellectually. Like she, uh, we, we were cast in a scene together. And like I said at the intro, it was a doll's house. But, you know, when you're doing those initial scenes and in scene study class, when you go to acting school, sometimes that first scene partner of yours, you can develop a real bonding relationship. And it just turns out that we've been friends ever since. Uh, I just love having conversations with people that, you know, it feels like they never end. And I feel like our friendship is a testament to that. So, um, yes, my audio sucks in this episode, but the conversation with Samantha is very interesting. Definitely clued me into some of the gaps in my knowledge uh, about her journey when she's been out in L.A., and I think that if you're in the process of exploration of self or looking for, you know, any sort of spiritual relief, uh, yes, we go into the law of attraction and we go into, you know, Sam's specific journey with that. But beyond that, I, I just feel like it's a very higher level perspective that Samantha has with regards to 
where she falls into examining herself and, you know, what different belief system she chooses to adopt for a certain period of time. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. Samantha Colicchio will remain a great friend. She is, it's, it's a lot less like tangential than some of the other conversations I've had. So uh, enjoy this, Samantha Colicchio. We got Samantha Alicchio here, my good friend. You Hello, know what? Everyone. <laughs> yes, it's so great to have you. You know, honestly, Samantha, this podcast, um, I feel like you are chief looper in my life. <laughs> Explain to me what that means. <laughs> okay, so look, so here's the idea. The whole idea is that in general, I find that I have a propensity to, in common life, look for, almost look for the tangent. Look for okay. the thing that's like an offshoot of waking reality. Like, you know, casual conversation, you're, you're at a CVS and you go to the cashier. If I have a reason to like bring up their star sign just <laughs> for, the, for the moment of like inspiration, like I'm going to say something. But do you do it? Do you do it to shock them and to bring them out of their reality, or do you do it because you genuinely want to connect with them about star sign? Oh God! See, this is where it's tricky. That's, oh. that's the issue. Is like sometimes I do that too, and I'm like, am I just doing this to get a reaction, or am I actually doing this for like the betterment of this other human being? Well, that's why you're a looper. That is it. <laughs> you are a looper because you're stuck in that conversation because yeah. you're not sure the conclusion of where your curiosity necessarily leads you. Like a kind of like the offshoot. We And folks, I'm going to warn everybody listening to right now, like this episode might be mad. Like you might hear two people that function very well in conversation with each other, <laughs> but you might not want to be involved with. <laughs> um not to That's discredit how it was in college. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not to discredit you or anything. Um, but I, I definitely like the whole I, okay, everybody, people want to know where open loops comes from. I mean, it really comes from uh, what happens in advertising, which I know you do now, you're doing like copywriting. It's opening curiosity, being like, well, you know what? I could tell you right now, I've got a secret for you. One thing that my mom told me changed my life and made me a better person. Before I tell you that, and you go off on another tangent, what happens is you're opening up curiosity in someone's head and you want them to resolve it. You want them to tell you that secret. It just remains open. And I find in our conversation, Sam, that's what we just kind of perpetually do it like we go down rabbit holes we do. Ne nesting topics within each other but you and know never... what? I, think, I think you're more comfortable with the open loops part than i am because i just want like a, i want an answer for things you yeah i think as i've gotten older especially it's been like i'm not really i'm less and less comfortable just like exploring the question and that's not necessarily good um uh. it's better to be somebody who explores the question i like i like to say 
well, this is what I think and boom, and that's it. And then I change my mind the next day. <laughs> Do you? Yeah, yeah, see, that's where it gets, so, okay. Yeah, that's interesting. No, I've been having such issues recently with, that I'm starting to like, I was on another guy's podcast yesterday and he was asking me like, oh, so what do you think of QAnon? I was like, oh, oh shoot. Because <laughs> my position is, and, and I've said this in previous podcasts that I've done, I'm conspiracy agnostic, but conspiracy curious. Mm -hmm. I will, I really don't know. Like at the end of the day, and, and I'm, I'm not necessarily sure if I'm comfortable saying I don't know, but I feel like I just have to be because I, I don't, I'm not secure in knowing the knowledge of the depths of the elite conspiracy. That right. said, I will entertain those thoughts intellectually because entertaining them brings me joy. Whatever mm -hmm. that is, that mental stimulation and entertainment, that's why I had to create a podcast. And that is why we're friends. That is why we're friends. And it's funny that you bring that up because that particular topic is actually one of the only topics that I am comfortable saying I don't know. Um, a, a really weird thing kind of happened to me that kind of exposed me to all that stuff. Um, and it's not weird. It was actually like a really beautiful, amazing thing that happened. So when quarantine started, um, my friends who live in Joshua Tree, which is like the desert in, in California, one of the deserts in California, um, she said, you know, nobody knew it was going to happen. Like we were all freaking out about COVID and I, you know, I'm living in a big city by myself. And so right. um, she said, come to the desert, like come, come be with us for a little while while quarantine's going on. And I thought, okay, I'll be in the desert for like two weeks and then I'll come back when, you know, when I think everything's calmed down. So I get there and I bring my cat and I end up moving into this guest house of my other friend, Kelly, and I end up being there for two and a half months. And while I'm there, I'm exposed to all of this stuff that I'd never heard about before. Um, like mm. the elites, like the cabal, like, you know, Hollywood, all of the, the scandals that are happening there. Um, and it was the first time that I was like, I really examined where I'm getting my information because you know, we're taught one thing in school, we're taught another thing in mainstream media. And then there's this whole other world that's like beneath it and hidden. And it was really the first time that I said, like, I don't, I don't think I can trust any of these sources. I don't know. I don't know um, who's writing these articles. I don't know who's writing these textbooks. Like everybody has an angle. And, and it really helped me to see reality as, as, kind of malleable, which, which drove me a little crazy um, yeah. for the first couple months of, of quarantine. And then, and then I got really comfortable with just saying, okay, I don't know. And I'm open to all of them. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. Um, did you, well, here's the thing I always wondered, because I will say, even going back to college that I saw, like, you know, it would be in each other's dorm rooms. And I remember one time, like it confirmed my belief. I was in your dorm room and I started looking at the uh, the books above your desk and I was like okay <laughs> oh here we go she's got like she's got a little bit of this new agey kind of yeah and going on I mean, where do you think your where did that all start 
like do you was that was that in high school middle school like did you come from i mean from what i understand you you came from a like traditional jewish upbringing but like like myself but um you know like where did these kind of different beliefs come in well so i didn't come from I think as traditional of a Jewish background as you did, because my dad is Catholic. Right, right. And my mom is Jewish, but I was raised Jewish. So I had a bat mitzvah and everything. Um, okay. But the new age stuff didn't, nobody in my family, nobody I even knew in Livingston, New Jersey, knew anything about that stuff. Um, the first time it, actually, that's that's wrong. There was one girl in in New Jersey, in Livingston, in my town, that I really looked up to. And I think it was like, now you have to remember, like, and I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm somebody who's just like pretty focused on getting what she wants. Mm. You know, like I'm somebody who's just, I'm, I'm, I'm very focused on like getting in the mindset to succeed or to get what you want. And so one day this girl who I really admired had posted on Facebook about this book called Ask and It Is Given. Mm. And it was a really cool book about manifestation. Yeah, Esther. Esther Hicks. Yeah, yeah, of course, you know Esther. Yeah. Classic and law of attraction stuff, yes. Exactly, exactly. And so it, it was the first time I was introduced to this idea that if you, if you, you know, are focused on the thing that you want as opposed to the thing that you're not getting, then things shift. And so... It was, it was interesting for me because I grew up sort of in a, and maybe you can relate to this. I grew up in a household that was very much like, if you, if you focus on what's going wrong, then you can protect yourself mm, and you yes, can, like, right. you can be in a, you can be safe as long as you're focused on the negative and what's going wrong, you'll never be caught off guard and you'll always be safe. And I think that was something that is pretty common to like the boomer um, generation. It's like, protect yourself, work hard. Like if you're constantly stressed out, nobody can ever like, you know, hurt you. It's so true. Like when my dad sets up stuff for me, he's always like, oh, Greg, the thing you need to be careful about. Right. It's never just about, you know, hey, Enjoy. I put this thing in the wall. It's like, now wait. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is interesting. I've never thought about it that way. So, yeah, okay. So I you're living like this. I'm living like this for, you know, 18 years of my life. And then I go to college and I'm, I'm finding that I'm not really happy. Um, I think, I don't know if you know, but I was, you know, I was, I was having a hard time in college, but I also had a hard time in, in high school, you know? So I was just, I really needed like a new way to kind of live. And so I read this book and I started putting it into practice. I was like, okay, this is interesting. I don't know if this is going to work, but let's try this thing out. So I, you know, I, I'm going to pick an arbitrary object that I kind of want and I'm going to see if I can manifest it. So I chose an iPod. This was back in like, I don't know, 2000, 2011 or some, no, must've been, I don't know. I think it was like junior year of college. Right. Right. We graduated in what? 2011. 2011. So I and do remember this. I, I kind of vaguely remember the the Apple product manifestation story. But yeah, re <laughs> recap it, recap it. I love that you call it the Apple product manifestation <laughs> story. Um, so yeah, so I, 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 I read the book and the book said, if you want something, you have to visualize it in your hand. You have to visualize what you're going to do with it. You have, to, you have to feel the joy that you're going to feel using it. 
Um, so I would just walk around Manhattan, like imagining that I had this iPod, um, you know, on my way to, on my way to class with you, I would, you know, I'd be walking or I'd be taking the subway and I'd be like visualizing, okay, I'm going to play like Joni Mitchell and Coldplay and whatever else I listened to. Right. And just like for every day, whenever I remembered to do it, I just kind of, I just kind of visualized this iPod and I'll never forget. It was Cinco de Mayo and me and two of my friends got into a cab to go to the bar that I was working at at the time. Mm. And we got in the car and, and my hip brushed up against like a cold metal object. And I picked it up and it was a, it was an iPod. It's crazy. And I was like, Whoa, this is insane. I was like, I did it. And then I was like, no, this isn't really mine. If I can find any like identifying information on it. Cause then I have to ethically, I have to give it back. Yeah, of course. Of course. So I looked through the whole thing. I couldn't find anything. I couldn't find any email address. I couldn't find like any identifying information about this iPod. And so I was like, okay, boom, it's mine. So from there I started manifesting a bunch of other things. Like I, I realized I wanted to move to LA and I manifested you know, this job that was going to help me get there. And um, I, when I got to LA, I literally wanted a red Honda for like under a thousand dollars. And lo and behold, my neighbor was selling a red Honda Civic for $800. My gosh. Now this is crazy. This is amazing testimony to the fact that these ideas might work. Right. What, what happens? What happens is, you know, with, with that particular like way of living, is it becomes harder and harder for me to get to that place of joy because it's like, it's almost like I'm better at it in the beginning. And I don't know if that's because in the beginning, when you're first starting to manifest something, it's like the contrast between your regular life and the joy that you're feeling when you're manifesting is so obvious Mm. that you're clear that you're succeeding. But then when you start to feel like more joyful on a daily basis, there's less of a contrast. And so it becomes almost harder to identify when you're doing a good job or when you're like really connected. Does that make sense? Yeah. But wait, are you like, it's something you think you could turn on again? I really, so in recent years, I've gotten really into Dr. Joe Dispenza. I don't yes, know yes. Yeah, you must be familiar with him. He's like your dude. <laughs> he talks about hypnosis all the time and, yeah. and neuroplasticity kind oh, of stuff, yeah. shifting all beliefs, that all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's incredible. And he has helped so many people to recover from like these really life-threatening illnesses. And when I first heard about him, I was so inspired. I was so excited. I spent months like rushing home from work just so I can spend an hour and a half, you know, on these meditations. Mm. What Joe Dispenza does is <clears throat> probably like the, the, for me, the most impactful part of his work is he has these um, like hour and a half long meditations. Some, some are 45 minutes, some are an hour, some are an hour and a half. Yeah. But you listen to them and he takes you through this guided meditation that will help you to first relax your body enough so that you can sort of get in touch with your subconscious Yes. And then you go into the visualization. Um, 
And he just sets up this kind of like mental space that really helps you to get there. And for the first couple months, I was like on cloud nine. I was flying. I was, you know, I was doing it at lunch. I would like literally take my lunch break and do like a 45 minute meditation, like wow. in my car. I was obsessed and definitely manifested a bunch of stuff, you know, definitely feel like that time that I spent took me to the next level. But after a certain point, I think like my ego started to get its tentacles in there and I, and I just couldn't manifest with the same charge that I had previously, I, I couldn't make myself feel the joy that I had previously experienced. Mm, so I, oh my gosh, I wow. Yeah. This is the most linear conversation I've ever had with you, by the way. <laughs> I feel like I'm like very much tuned into the story because I, I, I really want to get at something here. <laughs> um, uh, for sure, for sure. Let me, let me think about this. So, well, two things. We'll, we'll start with this question. Do you think the Joe Dispenza years, I like, I like kind of like <laughs> category these phase, like these phases. This is your phase. Uh, were different than the Esther Hicks years. Like, was the manifestation experience different, and how? Yes, it was. Esther, when I was doing the the Abraham Hicks stuff, yeah, it was. I was in college. I was super busy. It was very much like. I'm going to manifest when I can, you know, I'm going to manifest walking to the subway mm. and I'm going to get little sparks of joy. And I think the same thing happened. It kind of dwindled out, but during the Joe Dispenza years, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, I was setting aside time. I was setting aside specific time to do it. Um, and it was, I mean, the Joe Dispenza stuff was a thousand times more powerful for me. Wow. Specifically wow. because I was using these guided meditations. I mean, I would end these meditations with tears streaming down my face. Wow. Like just in complete confusion about why I had ever been unhappy. Like it was, it was, that was my experience after doing Joe Dispenza meditations was like, wait, why was I so irritable and discontent? Like what could possibly be wrong with my life? Life is so beautiful. Interesting. And, and where are you at now? So now I'm, it's, it's interesting that I'm having this conversation with you right now because my friend, my very good friend is, has gotten into Christianity. And this is one of my friends who like, she's really helped me throughout my life. She helped me to find the job that I'm at right now, which I really love. Um, she kind of helped me to, to get through a really, really bad relationship. She helped me to get off antidepressants. Like she's really been a guide for me. It's almost like, to me, it feels like the universe put her in my path to just really help me. And I think I've, pro I've hopefully done a little bit of the same for her, but, um, but she's really, really helped me. And so she actually, she, she, I mean, she's a looper. Like she is someone who is constantly searching and is, I gotta, is I gotta have her on. Yeah. You gotta have her on. Um, she's never really satisfied with the answers that she gets and she's constantly searching and she's constantly researching and, and she could talk circles around me about, about, you know, the cabal and, and the elites and all that stuff. Wow. Um, but she, so she's gotten really into Christianity and what she's actually um, started up a conversation with me about is the new age movement and the idea that it's like satanic in nature. 
Now, oh man. I, I don't believe that because Kundalini yoga, you know, yoga in general, like meditation to me, that has been incredibly helpful in my life. Like no question that I wouldn't be able to like be living the life that I'm living without these practices that I've, that I've, you know, been learning and, and practicing for the last 10 years. Yeah. Um, but she asked me to kind of do this seek week, which I'm actually in right now, where she said, just for a week, don't do meditation. Don't do any tarot cards. Don't do any yoga. Um, and when you want to pray, pray to, to Jesus. And when you want to, oh my God, my mother's going to kill me if she listens to this. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah, keep going. Like keep when going. You, when you, um, when you pray, like, you know, and, and also like read a Bible verse, um, when you, when you're like, you know, in need of, in need of guidance. And so I've been doing that to the best of my ability. And I think I'm uh, to get off on another tangent. I'm somebody who doesn't believe there's any one way to worship. Yeah. And so I think the important part is that, is that we're, for me, I don't know if this is good for other people, but for me, when I think that I'm in charge of my life, I will inevitably screw it up. hundred mm. percent. Like when I think that I'm running the show and like, I need to make things happen. And if, if I don't make things happen, they're not going to happen. And my life is going to be miserable. That's when I start to like hurt people and people start to hurt me and I become overly sensitive and, and all of that stuff. But when I, when I'm looking outside of myself and I'm saying, okay, a higher power is going to take care of my every possible need, then my life just inevitably gets better, even if I don't necessarily get everything I want. And so I'm in this seek week right now. I'm not fully convinced that like cutting out meditation or cutting out yoga is going to like be the answer. Um, but I'm, I'm willing, you know, I'm willing to like look at it. Yeah, that's very interesting. You know, um, <laughs> this is this is bringing up a lot of memories of me being like, hey, what's Sam up to in LA with people that, you know, live there and came to New York and I talked about. <laughs> and uh, sometimes they would be like, yeah, she's really into God now. Um, <laughs> but then I'd be like, Wait, who, said that? who said that? <laughs> I'm not going to say names on this show. <laughs> 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 no, well, someone did say, someone said to me, uh, I got relayed through uh, my roommate. Actually, okay. Did I get it through? Did I get it through that? Yeah. yeah um, yep. Abraham, you were into Abraham, which made me think, okay, she's gone full Christian. But then I like <laughs> looked up like, oh, wait a minute, Esther Hicks. And yeah, yeah, yeah so there's even. that. <laughs> um, but then I'm like, oh, but Samantha, you're so, you, you, you follow these different apps. Like I, I remember I texted you one point. I was like, please tell me you're not doing Scientology, please. Oh, please. God. Like, no, that was something I never got into. Um, just because they have such a close tie to showbiz. I see how people enter into that. But then the other thing is Christianity, oh, man. So here's, here's where it gets interesting. I could see the I mean, people's lives have been transformed by this. I guess it's uh, according to Christian-run conspiracy websites, which seem to be a lot of them when you end up going down a conspiracy rabbit hole on the internet. Uh, Christianity is the most popular religion on earth and, you know, all this stuff. Okay. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with you exploring that for sure. But here's my question. Is there something in between 
you being in charge of your life and a deity being what you surrender to that still allows you to have power. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think... um, Have you toyed with that? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I think you know that I wouldn't necessarily be somebody to be like, okay, I'm just going to blindly walk into this. And I mean with Jesus, and I I mean that with Judaism too, or if you're like, Greg, I'm going to Islam, like uh, just any sort of like defined the uh, theological position to this one entity. It doesn't matter what it is. I would still wonder about your idea of what it means to live as a powerful person on this earth. That's a really good question. That is a really good question. I think I am at my most powerful when I'm trying to help other people. Mm. Um, because, and this, this may not be everyone's experience. I think I happen to be somebody who's very me centered. Right. Uh, right. He's always been very centered on myself and my life and my loved ones. And, um, and not necessarily, I've not necessarily always been a community based person. Mm. And so totally, I relate to that. Totally. Yeah. Like it's about me. It's about how do I survive? How do I figure my life out? Right. But when I wake up and can get myself into a place where I'm genuinely thinking about what I can contribute to the people that I'm meeting in my day, um, that's when I feel the most powerful. So it's not necessarily about me pulling myself up by my bootstraps and making my life happen. You know, I tried that. I tried that for many years and it just didn't work. Is there a way to do that as an entertainer? Is there a way? I'm sure it works for some people. Yeah. That's why why I feel so strongly that there's, there's not one path for every person. Like my life lesson right now is letting other people in being in, being in community as opposed to being in isolation. And there are some people who have given their whole lives to other people and who need to work on believing in themselves and focusing on themselves. And I think it's just a different, a different thing. But I, I found success and happiness when I stopped trying to make my life look the way I, I thought it was supposed to look. Interesting. Oh my gosh, you're speaking to so many things to me right now. Uh, this is great. You're opening up a lot of loops. This is, yeah. this is perfect. Well, what do you um, believe? I'm curious. What, what's, your, what's your spiritual beliefs? Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah, these are the kind of questions I have difficulty answering. Um, and part of the reason I even started this podcast too as like a spiritual exploration, going deeper down rabbit holes and, and further into it. Uh, I mean, I've always maintained that I'm agnostic strongly agnostic wanting there to be something more but skeptical agnostic leaning towards atheism but very hopeful that there's something more uh now when i see what do you think would be the thing that would like push you over the edge to think that there is Hmm. man honestly and look i philosophically i could not separate this with a uh, a patho- pathological like hallucination 
but it would have to be something in that level, like something, really? some, something inside of me, a voice from an outside entity, a, a direct witnessing, like I would need my senses to somehow, some experience with my perception and my senses that would make me go, this comes from a non-natural source. Okay, so it wouldn't necessarily have to be a hallucination. It could be just something that you, like some shift in you that you're like, whoa, that was not from me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it wouldn't have to be a visual thing. I mean, look, I, one of the best arguments someone ever heard that blew me, blew my brain open. It was freshman year of college. Someone said to me, yeah, you know, I was going through a period of time where I was starting to doubt God. And then I felt him. Mm. And I was like, oh no, this blows up everything. Like I was trying to figure this out, scientific method, all this stuff. And then, <laughs> and then they're like, no, sorry, it goes beyond that. And I'm oh. like, oh shoot, darn it. Um, and see, to me, to me, that's all that matters. Like this is where I think you and I are a little bit different is because you and you and actually Morgan, my friend who, um, who I, I think you should have on the podcast, you and her are very much like research, science, like figure it out, like pin it down. Mm-hmm. And I am very much like, I don't care about the science of it. I just want to feel better. I just want to feel good. you know. And that's, yeah. I mean, if we're honest, like maybe it's a little hedonistic, but like the thing that's made me feel good and not just in like a Band-Aid kind of way, like, hey, just pray it out and you'll be better. Like in a real like, like cathartic, relieving way. The only thing that's made me feel better has been this relationship with God. So for me, it's like, I don't, I don't care what like the Bible says or like what, what, you know, I wouldn't even care what Dr. Joe Dispenza said if it didn't actually change the way I felt. You always like that? Were you even like that going back to college? You think like, like it was always like this. It was always about how to feel better. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, but you still, and look, I mean, I'm going to even posit that, yes, you read Ask and it is given, but I mean, I was looking at your bookshelf when you were a freshman in college mm-hmm. and, uh, and I was too. People out there, don't worry. Um, we were both freshmen. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't like this older man, like going into dorm rooms. <laughs> um, we were rehearsing scenes together and I was looking at these books and I was like, oh, this is an intellectually curious mind. Well, and I was intellectually curious purely because I wanted to change my life. So it was for curiosity in pursuit of good feeling. Well, it was, yes, it was curiosity in pursuit of of good feeling, but it was also curiosity in pursuit of healing. Did you ever read those? I guess maybe this is maybe where Morgan and I are the same. Like sometimes I would pick up books and I would read them to feel better, but also for the sake of like, hoping that that book was going to lead me to another book. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. You I mean, do I have always, a little bit of that in there. Yeah. I always wanted to, to keep finding the truth. And when I found something that actually worked, see, that was the thing is like, I was, I always found spirituality so wanting growing up. Like there wasn't really much, I mean, my parents were amazing parents, but like, they didn't really teach me about God. It was never like, Hey, trust God. It was always like, you have to figure it out, you know? And mm. then temple. So for me, like going to temple, it was like a lot of Hebrew. And I, there was, I, there wasn't really like a, 
I didn't really, doesn't really train you in spirituality and in the, in the yeah. way that we both understand in the visceral experience of it. Like it would be great if Hebrew school had a meditation class. Right. How cool would that have been? I probably would have studied it more. Or a Kabbalah class. Like I yes. remember going to spot on, on birthright and being like, wow. Spot that was the is best part of, of Kabbalah. It was, did you go on birthright? That's, that was my favorite. Oh my God. Go. That's why we're soulmates, Greg. <laughs> yes. Well, yes, yes. Uh, this, spot with all the cats running around. Totally. Totally. You know what? <laughs> uh, yes. I loved it. And did you, did the guy, that guy speak to you? There was like the guy that works at that. What was it? Like a, like a shop, like a. It was like a gallery. He was an artist. It was a man. I don't know it. if you. I don't know if you went to the same place that I did, but he, there was this, this artist. <laughs> Maybe this is a thing on every birthright trip. There's like, everybody pauses at one part, a man with a beard, <laughs> everybody in the group, somewhat cryptically, but also like, you kind of get it too. <laughs> yeah, huh. totally. The best. Did you, did you go to that gallery? Probably did. Probably yeah, did. Yeah, you did like all this Kabbalah art. It was so cool. I love I loved that part of the trip. Um, if someone had, and actually, you know what? I think that would be a great angle for birthright. Like people that are more mystical minded, like a mystical version of that. Trip, totally. I would have done. That would have been mine. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Huh? That's a good idea. Um, yeah. So, okay. So you did Hebrew school. You were, you were going through it, but when you say wanting, what is that? Go more into that. Spirituality was, uh, is wanting or isn't wanting. What were you saying? I'm sorry. No, I think there's nothing wrong with Judaism. It's brought a lot of like light and beauty to a lot of people's lives and a lot of truth to people's lives. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't, that's the thing. I don't necessarily doubt the truth of, of Judaism, but the truth of Judaism didn't save me from myself growing up. And I really was a seeker, you know, I even like, I remember being a kid and like writing a list of my sins on Yom Kippur and thinking like, this is going to make my year better. And it didn't, right. you know, I remember like praying every night on this little prayer pillow, like, Hey God, please, please help me to um, feel better. Please help me to like, I, I, I was, I, I had really low self-esteem and um just was like a really unhappy kid. I always felt like I was being left out by my friends, even though I really wasn't. Right. Um, and so my, my perception was just super skewed and, and Judaism didn't help with that. It was- It's so true. Judaism is not for people with obsessive compulsive disorder. Which is weird because I feel like a lot of Jews have that <laughs> yes. thing. Yes. You know? it, like the one time a year, if you're an obsessive compulsive and you're feeling like you did something bad, which is honestly the roots of my OCD, uh, guilt-based OCD, intrusive thoughts, thinking about things. Yeah. If you just have one time a year where you're clearing that, like it so doesn't cut it. it doesn't you need Yom Kippur every 10 minutes. <laughs> yes. yes. And then by the, by the 10th time you do Yom Kippur every 10 minutes, it loses its power. Yes. You know, that's the thing is like, how do you keep a spiritual life that maintains its power? That's what I've really struggled with. So interesting. I've never really uh, thought about Judaism as like a, a, a systematic way of keeping people stuck 
subscribing to right and wrong and then letting that be like a pathology. Like I think the law aspect of it creates more chances for you to like be anxious because well, it's like- maybe for people like us. Right, right, right. It can lend itself to that. But then also like it doesn't really deal with the experiential, like the moment to moments. Like if, if there's anything Christianity does have Judaism beat at least culturally in the in the cultural ethos of like something's going wrong like who you call oh, this guy yes exactly, exactly. <laughs> like judaism doesn't have that 911 line that christianity <coughs> does this needs to <coughs> bless you it comes from judaism no no it comes from christianity does i'm blessing people i'm not sure actually because <laughs> I, I don't know that's a good question <laughs> they got it um, covered yeah no a hundred percent and uh, the, exactly what you're talking about, that 911 line. Yeah. I found that actually when I started 12 step recovery. Interesting. Interesting. Yes, right. And that was where that was where I started to be like, okay, this is something that I can use, like not just you know, calling on it in a pinch, but like like for example, I, I worked at a bar in my first couple of years of sobriety and like I was I was miserable. Like I was I'm an introvert. Like I should not have been working at a bar. There's no reason why I should have been working at a bar except for it was the only reason, it was the only thing that I thought was going to help me make enough money to survive as an actress. Mm. Um, but I was just having, I was having these nights where I was getting paranoid and I was getting sad and I was getting down on myself. And um, that like 911, you know, deity or whatever, that night, you know, that, that higher power thing was something I had to just learn then you know yeah that's so interesting and for so a long time, I really struggled with the idea that I was deserving of God's help you know I I kind of thought like well if I messed up that day in any way like I like maybe I I ate something that I said I wasn't going to eat or maybe I like told a little white lie um, or maybe I like cut corners on doing like you know some of my side work to me that was like I was screwed for the day, you know, like I, I, now I don't deserve God to help me. And so no one's going to help me. And I, I really had to overcome that over the years being like, okay, I'm a human being. I'm going to mess up. And even if I don't do my day absolutely perfectly, um, I still deserve a God that's going to help me. And if I don't believe I deserve a God that's going to help me, then I'm not going to get the help. So might as well just assume that I'm worth it. Right. This is now, I, I really want to speak to something uh, about you which is this idea of there being phases of your life I mean look I, I think back to you moving to Los Angeles then and coming off of this like you know you, you were into Abraham still uh, at least that was the rumors going around like you were still <laughs> kicking this Abraham phase um, <laughs> and you know I, I'm just going like huh Samantha keeps going into different forms of spirituality and different different kind of phases of evolution. And there are some people that would have just stayed with Abraham. They were able to like keep manifesting things and the burnout didn't happen. Mm. I mean, can you speak to what you think brings you to keep looking at different 
methods and, 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 and thoughts around spirituality? And do you think there ever will be something that keeps you staying with it long-term? Oh, I hope so. I really hope so. Um, I don't know. I, it's, that is probably one of the biggest mysteries. And I, I don't know if other people can relate to it. I'd be interested to see like in the comments or whatever, if, if people can relate to that spiritual burnout. Um, mm. It's possible that I just go so hard in the beginning. And, you know, it just, like I mentioned before, I go so hard. So the contrast between my life before and my life after is so obvious and apparent that when my life starts to get better, the contrast starts to become less and I start to notice it less. And um, I start to feel that burnout because there's not quite as much of a reward. I don't right. know if that makes sense. Is it ego could... mind? Is ego just, is it, you just sum it all up as like, ego came back, wasn't, I didn't find a way of like warding it off. Or, or uh, into, it's totally possible. Yeah. Someone called me out in an interview I did. This woman, uh, Casey Edward, who was on, she's a, she's a life coach and uh, very spiritual based, very much talking about this kind of stuff, law of attraction. Uh, she has a whole thing about how like law of attraction uh, changed for her when she realized it was more about being and less about doing. And it was, it was, it was an interesting conversation. Um, or maybe it was more about doing and not about being that surprised. I don't know. It was good. No, I, think it's, I think it's more about, I think it, you were right the first time. It's more about being and less about doing. Right, right, what right. Being, rather than what you're, you know, struggling to manifest. Right. So, so I asked her, she totally called me out in this episode. I was like ashamed of myself though. That's part <laughs> of the, that's part of the exploration. Uh, I was like, Hey, look, you're living in this place now where things are, uh, you're in you're in synchronicity. Things are just coming to you. They're manifesting. Like things aren't always necessarily going well, but still, you know, you you've seemed to get to a place where in your business, your life, your relationships, like you are operating at a higher frequency and vibration. Do you worry about what happens when it goes away? Mm. And then she was like, "Oh, Greg, you know that question." It, I have to let you know it comes from your ego. <laughs> I was like, oh no, shoot, damn it. She called me out. She knew, yeah. she knew because yeah. she's, because she's like, you know, it's very much, she's like, you know, when you get to this place, like the question isn't even something that comes into the picture. Anymore. Wow. The thought of losing it isn't even something that I just experienced. Mm -hmm. On one level, my egoic mind is like, uh, screw you for that. But, but <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah, that's ego again. But on the other <laughs> hand, it's like, yeah, interesting. Like, it sounds to me what you're describing, Samantha, is uh, definitely something that, you know, lower vibration Greg over here <laughs> resonates with, which is, what happens when it gets too good and and what yeah, happens and when it all goes I away i love that what you just brought up is like maybe it's it you know in the beginning it's this sort of burst and i'm getting what i want and i'm, I'm manifesting and then it becomes less about me being the person that i truly want to be and more about am i getting what i want mm. and that just kind of makes the whole thing go sour yeah you know? 
it's, it's that like, and, and I actually just took this incredible class with this woman, um, Bridge Feltis. She's never heard of her. She's absolutely incredible. Um, it was a course on race and diversity and, um, you know, when I'll just briefly talk about that, like as as a white person taking this class, um, a lot of feelings are going to come up. They just are, you know, um, and it's, it's important that I try not to make the class about my feelings, but if I ignore the feelings that I'm having, I'm not going to be able to be of help to anyone. Mm. And so she, she knew this like just intrinsically. And she knew that like white people taking this course and the course is designed for, for, um, non-black and indigenous people. So, um, there was, I think one Asian woman and there was, um, mostly white people in the class. Um, and so it was, and it was mainly about, um, the history of racism and she, to make a long story short, she knew that we had to have some way of kind of managing our feelings throughout this course. Cause we were going to learn a lot of information that was new and, right. and disturbing. And so she set up this thing in the beginning where she said, I want you to do a fear inventory and, and, and a desire inventory. And she, she, it was this whole long process, but essentially um, she taught us how to do this. And at the end of the day, what you learn is you learn that um, it's really about being the person that you want to be instead of having the things that you think you want to have. So it's, for me, it's really about like, I want to experience joy. I want to experience the permission to love someone deeply. Those are the things that I truly want. What I think I want is, you know, a successful career and like a house in, you know, the the hills. That's not actually what I want, but like, I'm just making this up. Like, I think I want the car. Is it really that I want the car or is it that I want validation and to feel like I belong in society? And that was really mm. revolutionary for me is that it's, it's not about the thing. It's about the feeling at the end of the thing. That's interesting. And, and that's interesting that you have that understanding because I would imagine uh, you, you do have that inherent understanding, but maybe just compartmentalized sure. as a copywriter. Because in my mind, and, and that's, you know, we went to school for acting. You've done that for a little bit, I'm sure. A lot of those egoic battles obviously came up in your time as an actor. And I could spend a whole nother hour talking about that with you because I'm sure. very curious about your journey with that and sort of what you encountered in Los Angeles and your time in New York City, too, before that. But doing copywriting, uh, the thing that I have definitely read in studying advertising and copywriting and applied persuasion is that at the end of the day when someone's reading good copy you are transporting them to what you're describing that version of themselves who are they once they have that red honda who are they like like do you find yourself just is that something you were able to tap into and you're when you're when you're a writer for other people and it's just harder to experience for yourself like like what's your experience with that idea okay well first i'll say i i started at liquid iv as a copywriter but that's not the bulk of what i do now right Um, right bulk of what i do now is i sort of produce sometimes direct and and mainly like um help to help to create and gather content video content for for this company um 
And so it's, it's a similar thing. It's, it's still marketing and it's, um, it's just more video based. But what I will say is, um, yeah, absolutely. Like it's not, it's not about like, Hey, you need this thing. It's about when you have this thing, you'll be this person. Um, it's very much selling like a, a lifestyle rather than selling um, a product. Do you think and people I, that are in this space can do that for themselves? Do I think people can do that for themselves? I think it takes training and practice. I think it takes study. But yeah, I absolutely think people can do that for themselves. I think you are like me in that, you know, and I'll say this honestly about myself, and you can be like, Greg, no, you're totally wrong about me. Um, but my thought is that you're one of those people that people go to for advice and you're able to give them the advice, but sometimes hard to apply it to yourself. Oh, yeah. I find that, I find that constantly. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think well, it's hard, you know, it's hard to follow, like, even if I know what's right, like, for example, I've been guided for many years to stop drinking caffeine. Like, mm. That's something that intuitively I feel is like really harming my ability to be in touch with myself and to be in touch with my higher power. Um, and I, I just I know that like I am a lot more dialed in and tapped in when I'm when I'm not drinking caffeine. I I get more sort of downloads. I, I feel like I'm getting more information from God. I feel like I'm um I feel like I'm, I'm more in flow. I'm, I'm able to work better. I'm able to focus better. Um, and I'm able to just feel more connected and more peaceful. Um, but there are so many times when I just can't be that person who's not drinking caffeine. I just can't be that calm, peaceful person and, and I'll sabotage myself. I think it, the key to all of this is that it, it's going to come in waves. Um, yeah my spirituality has always kind of been an upward spiral. It's never going to be just like linear. Like I'm just getting more and more spiritual every day. It's never going to be like that. It's always going right. to be, I have ups, I have downs, but my down from last week is a thousand times better than my up from four years ago. Right, right, right. Wow. Okay. So you, so there is a little, there is evolving. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm not saying I have never, I haven't evolved. It's just more that it's never been able to, I just want, you know, I'm an addict. Like, I just want that steady upward, you know, high, just yes. my life get better and better a thousand percent every single day than it was the day before. And like, that's just yes. not how it is. Wow. 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 Interesting. Uh, do you think that what it, okay. You've said God a couple times in this, mm -hmm. you're talking about praying to Jesus. Um, what is I mean, you, what is your current relationship? Like, what is God to you? You define that at all? I, I try not to. So I'm doing this seek week thing with, with Morgan and that's sort of like an experiment. I, I yeah. certainly don't feel like I, um, like I worship Jesus. Um, I think that he said a lot of really amazing things and I think Jesus has helped a lot of people, but I, it's not really something right now that's like really resonating with me. Um, right. But God for me is, is it's been so many different things throughout my life. It's been the law of attraction. Um, I think mainly the thing, you know, I, ha I had a spiritual guide 
really early on in my sobriety who just really, really helped me a lot. Um, and in the beginning, it was really like getting myself to a place where I saw God as this like parental, loving, like completely all forgiving entity that like was there to gently teach me lessons, but wasn't going to like abuse me if I messed up. For oh. me, that was a really, that was a really tricky thing to like, it was tricky to make that shift because I grew up such a perfectionist that I, I really couldn't let God into my heart because I thought that if I screwed up in any way, or if I maybe missed a sign that God was trying to give me, that I was going to be, that I will have screwed it up completely and that I was yeah. going to be unworthy of any help. Um, so that, you know, the parental figure sort of then evolved into, um, into like a version of my higher self, uh, which I think I'm at now is like this idea that there is wisdom inside of me. There is, I have all the answers inside of me, but they don't necessarily come from me and from my ego. They come from this other higher self that I am connected to. And so I think now I'm, I'm working with this idea that maybe there's just me. Um, That's what I was alluding to before. That's what I was wondering. Is there like, like, can you be like, Hey, I'm not in control of my life, mm -hmm. but there's an inner me that is, that isn't necessarily something that people like worship every Sunday. A hundred percent. That's exactly, that's exactly it. Yes. So it's not about me being this meek, you know, like powerless human being. It's about me trying to practice what I know to be good in the day and then giving the results to that thing inside me that knows best. Right, right. And again, I also, you know, full disclosure, know that Christianity doesn't mean you're powerless ladies and gentlemen, like there are evolved versions. We both know that there are different versions of Christianity people practice in different ways. And some of the most powerful people on the world believe in Jesus. So, yeah, oh yeah, sure. So, I mean, but, but I totally could see how, you know, for yourself in terms of, or somebody out there struggling with that back and forth. Well, when I'm in control, everything goes to crap, like you said. So I need to just give up myself and like sign up for all these courses and regular Bible study and stuff like that also isn't necessarily, uh, you know, what you're prescribing either. Um, no, 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 no. It's, it's about, it's about trying to, in the day you're in, examine whether you are bringing self-will and selfishness into your, into your daily life. And if you're not, and you're truly doing what you think your higher power wants you to do, then you get to just give the results up to the higher power and you don't have, you don't have to worry about anything anymore. That's the thing is like, I was addicted to worry and mm. now there's a lot less worry. Yeah. I would say that about you in general, you know, I mean, that's sort of one of the, <laughs> it made me sad because I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm in New York city and I'm so neurotic and Samantha's <laughs> moving to Los Angeles. Like <laughs> this neurotic girl, I'm going to lose this neurosis <laughs> buddy. Never. <laughs> Never, <laughs> but but you know, but you are different, and I, and I think it is genuine too. Like I don't oh. think, I don't think that you are necessarily like. I don't think you've one hundred percent changed in a way that I'm like you're unrecognizable, which is great for me that we can still communicate in this way. But <laughs> I also don't think you are like this, you know, high strung, like stressed out New York woman trying to make it as an actor. 
this, right. which yeah, I, I've encountered. Uh, we all did. So yeah. it's, it's very interesting, but um, it didn't make me sad at first. <laughs> I was like, what? This girl's, a, this girl's an East Coaster. Aww. What the heck, man? Where's she going? You, were, you thought you were going to lose your Elaine. Yes. Elaine Bennis. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Really no, true. Never. Well, that's great. Hey, look, man, I'm impressed because I'm honestly like happy with myself because my little sister, the youngest sister, Michelle, who's been listening to these has been like, oh, yeah, he talked about what the person's been up to for the first half. And then like he always gets into love life for the entire second half of the interview. Oh, my God. We didn't talk about love life at all. Yes. I'm so proud. Good. You, Michelle, if you're listening. Here's to you, Michelle. Didn't hit it. Now, the one thought I did have was, and this doesn't have to speak to any love life, this is abstract, so I'll throw it in there, is that what it sounds like with regards to spirituality is it might be good to approach new spiritual practice like you would a healthy relationship, i.e. don't burn out immediately. Mm -hmm. Quick, too fast, too passionate, burn out. Like, definitely see that there is a desire to get a high when you first enter in a romantic relationship and I think with spirituality too like and you temper that so that it integrates into your being in a healthy fruitful way mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely something I struggle with in relationships too yes well oh, oh. <laughs> Michelle we're not going to go there um we're not going to go there Michelle <laughs> <laughs> yes look Samantha this has been an amazing conversation I always love chatting with you. I love you, Greg. And I'm so proud of you. This, this is so cool. And I just can't wait to listen to every single episode. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. Definitely going to have you on again. Um, Yeah. Take care, Samantha. We'll be, we'll, we'll talk. We'll keep talking. That's what the friendship's about. The conversation is not ended. That's what I love. It it. will never end. Amazing. Amazing. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Samantha Colicchio, what a fantastic guest. You know, one time in college, we were doing this exercise where people stood up in front of the room and had to say, hi, I'm Greg. And then all the other kids wrote the first word, first adjective that came to mind. And Samantha stood up there. This is the end of first semester freshman year at Stella Adler she stood up there and the word I wrote down for her was into it as in this is someone that is into it that goes 100% full throttle connected to intent just delves goes straight for the gold goes for it when the evaluations came up what the teacher did was he read through all those words like we hadn't heard those words yet the teacher during our evaluation all he did was just read through the adjectives we all wrote for each other that we hadn't seen Samantha came out of hers and said who wrote intoit and immediately I sat there and went oh my gosh you mean into it 
And she said, uh, he wrote, he said in toit. And I said, yeah, I, I wrote into it. I think he mis, mis said it. And for the rest of college, we used the word in toit to describe Samantha Caligia's energy when it came to getting what she wants. Uh, she'll still always be in toit to me. She went to LA, she became a little less in toit, but she's still got that spirit. She's out there chasing her dreams and, and, and sharing the journey. I appreciated the honesty. Everybody, if you enjoy the show, please feel free to subscribe, rate, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It always helps. Uh, hey, I hope you're as intoit about that interview as I was. And I look forward to talking to all of you soon. Take care. Thank you.